Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about stroke. And if you want to follow along with written notes on this topic, you can follow along at zerotofinals.com slash stroke or in the neurology section of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Stroke is also referred to as cerebrovascular accident or CVA. And this cerebro refers to the brain, vascular refers to the blood vessels and the accident refers to the fact that there's a problem within the blood vessels. Cerebrovascular accidents are either ischemia or infarction of the brain tissue which is secondary to inadequate blood supply or intracranial hemorrhage. So cerebral vascular accidents can either mean an acute ischemic event or an intracranial hemorrhage. Ischemia or infarction is caused by disruption to the blood supply and this can be caused by a thrombus formation or an embolus. For example, in patients who have atrial fibrillation where a thrombus forms within the left atrium and then travels up to the brain where it gets lodged and blocks off the blood supply. It can also be caused by atherosclerosis within the blood vessels in the brain. It can be caused by shock. So if the blood pressure falls throughout the body and not enough blood is getting to the brain, that can cause ischemia of the brain tissue. And it can also be caused by vasculitis. So certain inflammatory conditions that affect the blood vessels, which we call vasculitis, can lead to a stroke. A separate condition called a transient ischemic attack, or a TIA, was originally defined as symptoms of a stroke that resolve within 24 hours. This definition has been updated based on advanced imaging, and it's now defined as a transient neurological dysfunction secondary to ischemia without infarction. So ischemia is a lack of blood flow to the tissues and infarction is death of the tissues due to a persistent lack of blood flow. Transient ischemic attacks or TIAs often precede a full stroke. There's a condition called a crescendo TIA which is where there are two or more TIAs within a week and this carries quite a high risk of progressing into a full stroke. So how do strokes present? In neurology, suspect a vascular cause, or like a cerebrovascular accident, where there is sudden onset of neurological symptoms. So stroke symptoms are typically asymmetrical because they only affect one side of the brain. And the symptoms are sudden weakness of the limbs, sudden weakness of the facial muscles, sudden onset dysphasia, which is speech disturbance, and sudden onset visual or sensory loss. What are the risk factors for developing a stroke? Cardiovascular disease such as angina, myocardial infarction and peripheral vascular disease will obviously put you at higher risk of having vascular disease within the brain. Having had a previous stroke or a TIA puts you at higher risk. Atrial fibrillation, carotid artery disease. So if there's narrowing of the carotid arteries leading into the neck, there's quite a high probability of an atherosclerotic plaque breaking off from the carotid arteries, traveling into the brain and causing a stroke. Hypertension, diabetes, smoking, vasculitis, thrombophilia, and the combined contraceptive pill all put you at higher risk of a stroke. There's a tool called the FAST tool that you need to be aware of, and this is used for identifying a stroke in the community. And the FAST tool is a mnemonic, which stands 
for F for face, A for arm, S for speech, and T for time, meaning that you need to act fast and call 999 if there's any abnormalities to the face, the arms, or the speech. Another tool called the Rossier tool, which is for recognition of a stroke in the emergency room, is a scoring tool that's based on clinical features and duration of symptoms. And you can add up all the different features and it gives you a probability of the patient having a stroke. And a stroke is likely if the patient scores anything above zero. There's another scoring system called the ABCD2 score. And this is used for patients who have had a TIA. The ABCD2 score is used for assessing patients with a suspected TIA to estimate their risk of subsequently having a stroke. And a higher score suggests a higher risk of stroke within the following 48 hours. The ABCD2 score is again a mnemonic. And the A is for age. And you get a point if you score above 60. B is for blood pressure. And you get a point if you score above 140 over 90. C is for clinical features. So unilateral weakness gives you two points. Dysphasia without weakness gives you one point. The first D is for duration. If it's more than 60 minutes, this scores two points. 10 minutes to 60 minutes is one point, And less than 10 minutes is no points. And the final D is for diabetes, which scores you one point. So how do we manage a stroke? Well, this management is adapted from the NICE guidelines, which was updated in 2017. And the idea is to help you with your learning and understanding. Before you start treating any patients, I recommend checking out the full guidelines and always consult with a senior and experienced physician. Firstly, you'll need to admit the patient to a specialist stroke centre. need to exclude hypoglycemia, so make sure their blood sugar levels are adequate because a lot of the hypoglycemia symptoms will overlap with symptoms of a stroke. Arrange an immediate CT of the brain to exclude a primary intracerebral hemorrhage because you want to make sure there's no bleeding in the brain before you do the next step, which is to give aspirin 300 milligrams straight away after the CT has confirmed there's no bleeding. That aspirin 300 milligrams is then continued once a day for two weeks. There's another treatment called thrombolysis. And this can be done with a thrombolytic agent such as alteplase. And this is something that can be considered after a CT brain scan has an excluded an intracranial hemorrhage. Alteplase is something called a tissue plasminogen activator that rapidly breaks down clots and it can reverse the effects of a stroke if it's given quickly enough. This means if it's done properly, it can potentially save brain tissue and prevent massive amounts of morbidity or mortality. It's given based on local protocols and by an experienced physician and it needs to be given within a defined window of opportunity, for example, four and a half hours. Patients will need close monitoring for post-thrombosis complications, such as intracranial or systemic hemorrhage, because it not only breaks down the clots in the brain, but it makes you more likely to bleed in other areas as well. They may need repeated CT scans of the brain to monitor the progress and make sure there's no intracranial hemorrhage. As a general rule, blood pressure should not be lowered during a stroke because this risks reducing the perfusion of the brain with blood. 
But if you've already got a narrowing of the blood vessels leading into brain tissue and you reduce the blood pressure, you may reduce the perfusion of that brain tissue. Next, let's talk about the management of a TIA. Patients need to start aspirin 300 milligrams daily. They also need to start secondary prevention measures for cardiovascular disease, such as atorvastatin 80 milligrams. And if they have crescendo TIAs, they should be seen within 24 hours by a specialist. If they have a TIA, you need to perform an ABCD2 score. If they score three or less, then specialist assessment needs to be done within a week. But if they score more than three, then they need specialist assessment within 24 hours. The next step is specialist imaging. And the aim of imaging is to establish the vascular territory that's affected by the TIA. And this is guided by specialist assessment. It usually involves a diffusion-weighted MRI scan, which is the gold standard imaging technique, but CT scans can also be used as an alternative. And they also need carotid ultrasound scans to look for carotid stenosis. And if they have a lot of carotid stenosis, they can have endarterectomy procedures which remove the plaques from the carotid arteries or carotid stenting to widen the lumen. So what's the secondary prevention of a stroke? Well, firstly, clopidogrel at 75 milligrams once a day can be used. Alternatively, dipyridamol 200 milligrams twice a day. They need to start on atorvastatin 80 milligrams, but often this is delayed while they have the acute treatment of the stroke. Carotid endarterectomy or stenting can be used in patients with carotid artery disease. They need to treat any modifiable risk factors such as smoking, hypertension and diabetes. A really important component of stroke treatment is stroke rehabilitation because often these patients are left with significant disability and reduction in function which they need to improve as much as they can but also learn to adapt to. So these patients will require a period of adjustment and rehabilitation. This involves a multidisciplinary team, which includes nurses, speech and language therapists, nutrition and dietetics, physiotherapists, occupational therapists, social services, optometry and ophthalmology if the eyes are affected, psychology because this is a massive change in their ability to do things and potentially can result in them having to stop working or stop caring for other people, and orthotics departments can also be helpful. So thanks for listening to this episode on stroke. A big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing this podcast. It wouldn't be possible without his hard work. If you found this podcast helpful and you want written notes on this topic, you can find them at zerotofinals.com. You can also find written notes on this topic and all the other topics in the Zero to Finals Medicine book, which is available on Amazon. And I hope you tune in to the next episode, which will be about intracranial bleeds.